Welcome to the Journey Church Podcast, where as a church, we believe that Jesus should be accessible to anyone. So if you're at home, work, or somewhere in between, you can have access to the weekend worship experience. We'd love for you to stay connected with us by visiting us at journeyorl.com or any social media platform using at journeyorl. Thanks for being with us, and we really hope you enjoy this message. We are in week two of a series called I Didn't Know Prayer Was. And this year, simply put, we are trying to teach people to pray. We got our Pray First wristbands, which are great, by the way. I love that we have them. They're in the lobby. They're not just great to remember to pray. They're great to find out who goes to your church that you didn't know went to your church. I can't tell you how many times. I'm like, I know that wristband. What's up? You know, high five. And so it's cool, man. Just make sure you get one and, uh, and, and, and you remember to pray. And so we're trying to teach people to pray. If you don't even believe in God, I want to teach you to pray. Why? Because you probably have questions for God, questions I can't answer. And if you got questions, ask him. He will speak to you. He will talk to you. Maybe if you feel far from God, like God has left you because of some decisions or choices that you've made, I wish that you would pray because if you'd pray, you'd find out that he never left you, that he was there the whole time. Maybe your soul has gotten stale with the redundancy of religion or twisted by the trauma of life. If so, I hope you would pray and allow prayer and the presence of God to refresh your spirit and renew your heart and renew your mind. Prayer can do those things. I said it last Sunday. I'll say it again. If you get prayer, you get it all. I promise you, I'm learning this. I've been on this journey for the last two years. I think I'm going to pick it up again for a third where the focus for my year, my goal has not been to lose weight or add it. My main, main, main goal of my year, although I have all those on the side, is to grow in my prayer life. And as I'm pursuing prayer, I'm learning some things that I didn't know. And I'm learning other things, maybe you can relate, that I thought I knew. Ever been there? And then when, when the stuff hit, I realized I didn't know it like I thought I knew it. And that's what today's message is going to be about. This is a note-taking message. I'm not forcing you. You're not going to get kicked out if you're not writing. But I just, we will judge you. I'm just, playing. I'm just, I'm just kidding. I'm just joking. You don't feel that pressure. Um, but I, I think this is something that can help you. And, uh, and it's on YouTube, so you can always look back and, uh, and watch it when it, when, it, when it airs and when it gets posted. Um, but I want to speak today on the topic, I didn't know prayer was a weapon. And I want to just get right to it. I want to speak today on the topic of spiritual warfare. And this isn't typically a message I would bring on a Sunday, if I'm honest. I I would usually bring a message like this to maybe our JLA students. I would usually bring a message like this maybe on an encounter night. I would usually bring a message like this maybe to our pastors in training and a class that we do and all that. But I felt like I would be remiss in a year where we focus on prayer to not tell you how you can use prayer to fight, how you can use prayer to defend yourself, how you can use prayer to, to, uh, to get on the offensive, to, to, to move some things down the field. And, and we're going to get a little deep, okay, but we're not going to get too deep, and it's not going to get too spooky, okay, but, but we're going to get a little deep, but it's okay. You don't have to, we don't have to jump into all the Greek and the Hebrew to figure this out. When my uncle taught me how to fight when I was a kid, he didn't teach me Kung Fu. He said, this is how you make a fist. Put the thumb on the outside, because if you put it on the inside, you might break your thumb when you hit, and when you hit, don't aim for the person. Imagine that there's a person behind the person and hit that person, punch through it. Like he, it, it was very simple, and it worked, and so I'm gonna teach you some very simple things that you can use to be effective in spiritual warfare that's gonna help you out, because here's the first thing you need to know, ready? There is a bully in your life. 
you got a bully. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. I know this is news for some people, and I know this is going to challenge some people's theologies, but you need to hear this. There is such thing as a devil. He exists. I wasn't always great at defending my faith, and I remember in high school, one of my friends at the house, uh, she was arguing with me about the existence of God, and I hadn't gone to Bible college yet. I didn't really know how to defend myself, but she said one thing that I was like, I think I have an answer to that. She said, if God is real, how come bad things happen? I, I, that was an easy one for me. I said, because there's a devil too. Because there's a devil too. There's a devil, and listen, and he hates you because God loves you. See, the devil hates God, but he can't hurt God. So the only way to hurt someone who is immortal, invincible, and eternal is to hurt what they love. Are you with me? Parents know this. This is why if you really want to punish your kid, don't, don't spank them. I mean, you can. I spank my kids. It's cool. It's in the Bible. But when I really, when I really want to punish my kids, here's the secret. You find out what they love and take it away. And if you're a kid in this room right now, you better be careful letting your parents know what you get excited about. You better pretend like you love books, you know what I'm saying? Go to your room, and I'm taking away all your books. Oh, no, reading. You know what I'm saying? So, so here's the deal. Listen, God loves you, and the only way to hurt him is for the devil to take away the relationship that you have with him. He's an enemy. But don't be afraid, because as the verse said, we have his mighty power, yes, God's mighty power. But that doesn't mean that we're not going to struggle. Verse 12, for our struggle, someone say struggle, is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. When God wants to help you, he's going to use people. When the devil wants to hurt you, he's going to use people. But it's important to note that when people come and hurt you, it's not the people. It's the enemy using people to affect your relationship with God. It's not your boss. It's not your co-worker. It's not your ex. It's the enemy manipulating them. When Peter and Jesus got into an argument near the end of Jesus' life, Jesus said, I'm going to die. And then Peter said, I don't want you to die because he loved Peter. That thought, that thought started to get into Jesus' head. And Jesus started to think, maybe I shouldn't die. Maybe I should just stay on earth. I don't want to make people sad and I don't want to die. But when that thought came in, he looked at Peter and he said, get behind me, Satan. He wasn't calling Peter Satan. He was recognizing the enemy trying to manipulate Peter to get Jesus off of the will of God. And so you got to be able to call those things out. By the way, Peter said that to Jesus because he loved Jesus. Just a side note, you should know that most of the people who hurt you actually love you and they think they're trying to help you. Isn't it? Have you ever noticed that? That the people who love you the most are the ones that have the potential to hurt you the most? That's not my message, but so Jesus called out Satan. And so you have to understand who you're fighting against, okay? Or else, listen, you'll divorce somebody, all right, and then face the same issues in the next relationship because you weren't fighting a spouse, you were fighting a spirit. Or you'll go from one church to the next church to the next church and then eventually leave church altogether because you thought you were fighting pastors, but you weren't fighting pastors, you were fighting powers. And if you don't know how to fight the powers, if you don't know how to fight the spirits, you're going to be fighting the same things your whole life. 
Ephesians 6.13, therefore, this is what God is trying to tell us, put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand. Somebody say stand. Stand your ground. And after you have done everything, stand. Listen, not if the day of evil comes, but when the day of evil comes. The day of evil will come. And you need to know this. And I know a lot of people maybe even checked out at this point in the sermon because you're like, no, we don't, because a lot of churches, we don't talk about spiritual warfare because it freaks some people out. You know, some people think it's weird. It's a little scary, especially around October. Why are we doing it in October? You know what I'm saying? And it's like, maybe it's not the best time to do it. I don't know. I don't want to, why don't you just preach about the love of God? I just want to hear about the love of God. I love the love of God. Just talk to me about the love of God. I love the love of God too. But can I, but here's the problem. If all I preached to you was about the love of God, okay, you're going to be like that homeschool kid who goes to public school for the first time. You know that kid? That homeschool kid, he walks up in a public school super loved. He walks up in a public school super confident, super innocent, and gets beat up on the first day. Because <clears throat> we loved him. We just never taught him how to defend himself. Are you here? I need to teach you how to defend yourself because God loves you, but the devil hates you. So you got to learn how to fight. You got to learn how to throw some punches. That's why I put my kids in jujitsu because they're them homeschool kids. <laughs> I know it. They're so innocent. They're so, oh, God loves me. My parents love me now, but somebody's going to try and punch you. You need to know how to drop them when they do. You need to know. And I have to always remind them, I have to always remind them, listen, oh, by the way, this isn't for attacking. You don't learn this so you can attack. You got to learn this to defend. And that's a very important theological distinction because there is a warping of the spiritual warfare teaching that believes that Christians are supposed to be exorcists traveling the world, casting out devils. The devil is not our focus. Exorcism is not a spiritual gift. Read the Bible. Nowhere are you going to see the exorcist. Somebody actually tried. There was a group of people in the New Testament called the Sons of Sceva who made casting out devils their ministry. And the moment they tried it, God wasn't with them because God doesn't empower anything that's not his will. And the demon-possessed person just beat up all seven of those Sons of Sceva, just jacked them up. Why? Not because God was weak, but because God wasn't on that. When people casted out devils in the New Testament, the devils weren't their focus. Souls were. And when they made souls the mission and souls the focus, then the enemy showed up to interrupt. Are you with me? What I'm trying to tell you is don't make the enemy your focus. Just try and live on mission and the enemy will come find you. Just try and be a better parent. And the moment you try and be a better parent, the enemy will come find you. Just decide to get baptized, and the week you get baptized, all hell will break loose on your life. Just decide to tithe, and the day that you tithe, your tires will blow. I promise you. Just get close to your calling, because the moment you get close to your calling, other opportunities will start calling. This is what the enemy does when you start to live on mission, when you start to live on purpose. He comes to interrupt. But when he comes to interrupt the will of God, that's when the power of God falls on you and you have the ability to defend yourself. You feel that, don't you? Like when all those things happen and like it's more than just happenstance. It's more than just natural sciences. It's more than just a hormonal imbalance. Like the verse said, it's more than flesh and blood. It's natural. Most of our problems are a combination, and you need to know the second half of natural, natural things, natural causes, and spiritual. And they're both. It's not just spiritual, but I wrote it like this, and you can put this in your notes. Most of your problems, listen, it's more spiritual than you think. 
Not to say that it's all spiritual, I think, because I think we can go to the other extreme as well and believe, you know, that there's a devil under every rock. I grew, I grew up in a church like that. You know what I'm saying? That's the spirit of annoying. What? I got a headache. I rebuke the spirit of headaches, right? I'm like, I just think maybe I should just take a Tylenol. I feel like I'll be okay. And so we just got to be careful, okay? Because if you wake up at, at if, you, if you decide to eat Taco Bell at 1 a.m., and then you wake up at 4 a.m. with a crazy stomach, uh, stomach ache, don't rebuke the devil, make better choices. You see what I'm saying? Like we just gotta know there's a balance. And so it's natural and it's spiritual, but there have been other times in my life, listen, where I've done the right thing, where I've gone to church and I've sang the right songs and I read the right Bible verses and, and, I, and I ate the right things and I worked out the right way and I took the right medicines and I loved my wife the right way and I prayed the right way and I still came under attack. I still felt the opposition. I still woke up lethargic. I'm still struggling to pay the bills. I'm still pushing for my health. I'm still wrestling with my faith. Why? Because there are some things, and you can't deny this, that even when I'm doing everything right, things, I still feel this opposition. So if you're still denying or if you're still wrestling with whether or not spiritual warfare is a real thing, I wrote it like this, and maybe it'll make sense. Maybe after you hear it this way, you'll go, oh, yeah, I get that. Spiritual warfare is for all the things in your life that you can't punch. Do you hear me? All the things in your life that you can't punch. I'm talking about the unexplainable. Like when you wake up, you had a great day the day before, but for no reason at all, you can't figure it out. You just, you feel heavy. You feel down, you feel depressed, and you have the greatest life. And everything, you just got the job, and you have no idea what happened. It's for the unbelievable. When you've had the week, the month, the year, where it's like crisis after crisis after crisis after challenge after challenge after challenge, and it don't feel like a coincidence. It feels like it's coordinated. Like all those things, have, that can't be what? It's also for the unbearable when a child gets sick or a loved one is gone, and you can't punch it. Listen, you can't fight this with your hands. You can't fight this with your intellect. The enemy would have you live ignorant of the reality of this world. He would want you to fight this with just the help of your self-help books. He would have you fight this with just the help of therapy. He would have you fight this with just the help of medicine. Just don't pray. And what I would tell you and what the Bible says is do all those things. Just pray first. Come at it from the natural and the spiritual. Because some things you can't punch. 2 Corinthians, this is why you got to pray, 2 Corinthians 10.4, because the weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. And I want to focus in on this word strongholds here. The Greek word is eukarima. And the reason why I wanted to tell you the Greek is because you would never know what that means just by looking at strongholds. You would think that that's something invincible, something unbreakable. But a stronghold in the Greek, eukarima, is actually something that looks strong but actually isn't. It just feels that way. It just seems that way. It's a chain that can't really hold you. And at this point, I'm going to invite you to insert yourself into the sermon as you begin to enter into what spiritual warfare looks like in your life. Because a eukarima, listen, is some kind of wound, some kind of trauma, some kind of generational addiction, some kind of fear, some kind of battle. And this is what warfare looks like. It's not a girl sitting in her bed with her head spinning 10 times. 
Hollywood would want you to believe that that's just what warfare looks like. Here's what warfare looks like. Although possession is real and those things are real, we'll talk a little bit about that. Here's what real warfare looks like in the, for the majority of us. It's the lie of the enemy versus the truth of God. And when those hit, that's warfare. That's warfare. That's the battle. That is the fight. And I know I just knocked Hollywood, but there's one movie that I feel like Hollywood, if it was to talk about spiritual warfare, that'd be a great example. And it's Nightmare on Elm Street, Freddy Krueger. And I don't know if you've ever seen it. That's not a time to shout amen, okay? I don't know if you've rebuked that in the name of Jesus. I just... Uh, <laughs> This is, so Freddy Krueger, he, like he was a demon, dream demon, and he would jump into your dreams while you were sleeping, and he would kill you in your dream while you, while you were sleeping. And the way that they beat Freddy Krueger at the end of the movie, part one, I never saw any of the other ones, but part one, um, at least I don't think I did. I, I, the way they beat him at the end is this, this young high school girl, Freddy Krueger's about to slash her with, he got claws, he's a monster, about to slash him, and the moment she, he goes to slash him, she gets this revelation. This is a dream. You can't hurt me because you don't have power. And the moment she says that out loud, his claw goes right through her. He lost his power because he got found out. The only power the enemy has is the power we give him when we believe his lies. But if we call out his lies with the truth of God, every time he swipes, he goes right through. Every time he goes, he can't stop you. He can't cut you because it's the truth of God versus the lie. That's why Ephesians 6.14 says this, stand firm then with the belt up. Say this word with me, truth buckled around your waist with the breastplate of righteousness in place and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. The first message I ever preached in my life, I was 12 years old on a Sunday morning, my pastor invited me, was from this scripture. And you think I do illustrated sermons now because I'm trying to be hip or cool. It was just the only way I could ever understand the Bible. My first sermon ever was an illustrated sermon. I went to whatever the toy store was, probably Toys R Us, and I bought a Roman centurion's guard. And in my first sermon ever, I had a little plastic shield and a little plastic helmet, a little 12-year-old me talking about it. You know, Ephesians 6. You know, for our struggle is not against flesh and blood. Just <laughs> preaching my heart. I, I had it. I just, and I had all the armor. Listen, but it took me 25 years to realize I preached it wrong. Which, in my defense, I was 12. So, you know, the grace of God over my life. And I'm going to tell you why I missed it. I kept focusing on the armor. Ephesians 6, 16, in addition to all this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Verse 17, take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. And I stopped preaching there. But look what verse 18 says. It took me 25 years to get it right. And pray in the spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers. I want you to pay attention to how many times pray is being said or versions of that word. Verse 19, with this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the Lord's people. Next verse, pray also for me for whenever I speak, words may be given in me so that I will fearlessly make known the mystery of the gospel. Pray that I may declare it fearlessly as I should. Here's what I missed. I missed that although there is an armor of God, I missed that prayer is how you put it on. So you could teach, you could teach about the armor all day long. Here's this and here's that and here's that. But if you don't learn how to pray, you don't know how to suit up. We fight the enemy. We fight through prayer. Through prayer. That's my point. We fight through prayer. Now, 
my kids are watching old cartoons. They have a, a Disney Plus and they get to watch old cartoons. And there's one cartoon that was my favorite when I was a kid. And, and I, I had to tell them all the time, if you're from this generation, you know, you didn't get to choose when you wanted to watch cartoons. You had to be at home at the right time. And so I didn't get to see all the episodes, but I think I might have seen almost every episode of this one. I made it home on time to catch it. It's called DuckTales. If you're not born in the 80s and 90s, you don't know. I apologize. I'm going to age myself a little bit, and I don't mean to eliminate anybody from this illustration. I think I'll be able to explain to you this character enough that you'll be able to relate and get it. In DuckTales, there was this other character named Gizmo Duck. I got a picture of Gizmo Duck on the screen right now. If you remember Gizmo Duck, then you'll know. And raise your hand if you remember Gizmo Duck. 80s and 90s family mostly, okay, or if you babysit your kids in the 80s or 90s. And so Gizmo Duck is a really cool character. He, I think he was inspired by RoboCop. Um, and so underneath that suit, that suit is very powerful. That armor is very powerful. But underneath that armor is just a regular dude. And the thing was, he would always have that armor around in the house. He would always carry that armor in a backpack. But the only way that armor went from wherever it was to onto him was through voice activation. He had this saying. He would say, he would say, blathering blatherskite. That's what he would say. So he like cussed out, like he was cussing in duck language, you know, <laughs> blathering, blathering guy. And, and I love those words because it was the words that he had when he didn't have words for anything else. It was what he said when he couldn't say anything else. He said blathering, he just said it when he was super excited or super upset. Blathering. And the moment he said it, the armor would hop onto him and he would go from normal to superhero. And I saw this cartoon and I started to get an image of everyday modern day Christians who got all this armor sitting in a closet somewhere. And they're getting picked on by the devil and beaten up by the enemy and losing over and over and over and over again because they're not using their voice. And if you would just use your voice, I'm telling you, in the name of Jesus, just start, just start to, things just start to pop on you. You start to be able to fight the fight that you couldn't fight on your own when you open your mouth. Now you got to ask the question, you can get rid of the duck, he's cool, but ask the question, why do I have to pray to activate God's power? I thought God fought my battles. You would not be incorrect. That is in the Bible. God fights our battles. Have you ever wondered that? Why do I have to pray to activate God? Isn't he active? I don't understand. If you don't understand, I'm going to give you something to write down, and then I'm going to explain it to you. Because prayer is an earthly invitation for heavenly interference. Prayer is an earthly invitation for heavenly interference. You have to understand the way God ordered the world. God ordered the world to be acted on by mankind. That's why we plant trees. That's why we build factories. That's why we innovate and, and, and have ingenuity and we create things. God ordered the world to be acted on by mankind. In other words, listen, there are some things God won't do unless you invite him to. I would even say this. Now, there are some things God will do because he's God, <laughs> with or without you. But I would say even most things in life, God will not do unless you invite him to. God won't save you unless you invite him to. God won't sanctify you unless you invite him to. Some things you got to invite God to do. Now, that doesn't mean that God isn't there when he doesn't do it. It might mean you haven't invited him. It's all over the Bible. Ask and you shall receive. Seek and you shall find. Draw near and I will draw near to you. I met a friend last week, a new friend, who just recently started coming to our church. And I asked him, what was the shift for you? Where did it change for you? He's a truck driver. And he said, and he said well, I was going through some crazy things in my life. And one week I was in my truck, parked, and 
with tears, I cried out to God. And I said, God, if you're here, I need to know right now because I don't think I'm going to make it through this. And he said the moment he said that, he felt the peace and a love that he had never experienced in his life before. And he said, I got I to gotta go to church next Sunday. Did God enter his car when he prayed or was God always in his car? God was always in his truck. When things were hard, when things were good, when he dodged that accident, when he was making that trip, God was always in that truck. What activated the presence of God was his voice. When he called, God came. He pulled down the God that was already in the room. Are you with me? Prayer is like an antenna. This room is full of satellite and radio waves right now. You know that? You're being bombarded with, by DirecTV right now. By signals and all of that. But you don't feel it and you don't see it because there's nothing on you that can receive it. What an antenna does, whether it's on your phone or on a satellite dish, is that it pulls down what's in the room. Oof. Let me make it practical. This is why you can be at church in a room full of God's presence and not feel anything. Because it doesn't matter what's in the room if you're not in a position to receive. You gotta be willing to pull it down. On the other hand, this is why you could be in a, in, a, in a dreadful place in life, in a place that feels like hell, and in the middle of hell, be able to pull down the presence of God. Because where can I go from your presence? Where can I go from your spirit? You can be able to pull it down. And so if you find yourself in a heavy place in life right now, let me tell you, you can pull down the joy of the Lord. You know why? Because the Lord is in the room. And the moment you begin to pray, the joy of the Lord can fill it. You feel anxious? Why don't you pull down the peace of the Lord? Begin to pray because the Lord is in the room. You feel weak? Well, guess what? The Lord is in that weak that season that we place in life, pray down the strength of the Lord. And when you pray, it will come down. I can't tell you how many moments in my life I, I was going through something terrible, something difficult. I prayed and everything changed in that moment. It was just when I was going through it, my head was cloudy. I, I was in a dead zone. But then I stepped outside my situation and reconnected to the signal. And the moment I did, everything was good. Everything was right because I pulled down what was in it. That's what prayer does. Now, what do we pray? What do we pray? I'm glad you asked. Three things. Get ready. This is how you fight now. I had to lay a theological foundation. Now I'm going to teach you how to throw some haymakers. You ready? Say Amen. All right, here's the first thing you want to do if you want to fight the enemy. Three things you're going to pray. Here's the first thing you're going to pray. Pray the name of Jesus. I'll tell you, well, you don't even say anything after that. When you just say Jesus. Woo! When you just say Jesus, Luke chapter 10, verse 17 through 18, the 72 disciples returned with joy and said, Lord, even the demons submit to us in your name. And then Jesus replied and said, yeah, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. Now, you understand, when he says, I saw Satan fall like lightning, he's not referring to what, this is where it's good to come to church because you hear good teaching. He's not referring to what the disciples were doing at that moment when they were casting out devils. He's actually referring to what he saw 
saw before the earth was created that he talks about in the book of Revelation where the devil stands up to God and then God kicks him out of heaven. He goes, of course, of course you have authority because he already, he already lost, he's already gone. He's already been kicked out. And I love the metaphor for lightning because Hollywood would have you believe that the enemy and the Lord are like the dark side of the force and the light side of the force, that they are somehow in some kind of balance and equal. And let me just tell you, the devil is a created thing and a created thing will never have power over the creator of things. And so what, what's so cool is that, is that you know how it works. The devil was looking up to God and he was like, I think I want to take over. And the moment he said those words, God was like, peace. And the moment God put it up the deuce sign, the Bible says that the devil just dropped immediately, instantly, automatically. There was no fight. There was no wrestling match. It was go, and he had to go. I like that. That's what happens with my kids, by the way. They'll be fighting. They'll be fighting. They'll be fighting. And the fight always ends at the same point when one of them is tired of fighting and just yells, Dad! And the moment one of them yells, Dad, the aggressor has to pull back. Because we pulled in a name that was more powerful than the person that we've been fighting. You get to call on the name of the Father when you say Jesus. Things happen. Verse 19, I've given you authority to trample on snakes and scorpions and overcome all the power of the enemy. Nothing will harm you. Philippians 2.10, I'm giving you a lot of Bible because you got to learn this. Then at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow. Listen, in heaven, on earth and in hell, under the earth. Even demons understand authority. Even demons understand authority. You know this when you're on the highway and you just, you know, you're going 85. You're probably going 84 on the 70. 85 would be too much. I need to get there, but I'm not crazy. And then you see the little station wagon with the baby on board, you don't care. You stay at 84 and you pass that baby on board. You see the little the old lady driving her car. You don't care. Right past her. You see the student driver. Right past her. Nothing can stop you. You are just going. Until you see them blue lights in your rearview mirror. And then when you see them blue lights in your mirror, you don't just slow down. You stop. Because an authority demanded you too. When you call on the name of Jesus, the enemy don't just slow down. He got to stop. He got to pull over because there is an authority that is greater and that is higher. I want to encourage you when you can't figure out the words to say when you pray because you can't even figure out what's wrong, just say Jesus. When you're overcome by a fear in the middle of the night and you hear a little noise and you start wondering if it's this or if it's that, just pray Jesus. And the fear has got to leave. The fear has got to go. When your mind starts to get flooded with perverted thoughts, wicked thoughts, and you start to look at yourself, oh my gosh, I can't even think I thought that. I can, I would never, I can't, where did that come from? Don't even, don't even fight on that front. Just pull back and go, oh, Jesus, right now, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. And when you say Jesus, the enemy's got to pull over. When you say Jesus, fear has got to go. When you say Jesus, confidence comes on you. When you say Jesus, just the name of Jesus is powerful. And the reason why the name of Jesus has so much power is because of the blood of Jesus. Here's the second thing you pray. Pray the blood of Jesus. Pray the blood of Jesus. Revelations 12, 11. 
they triumphed over him, the devil, by the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony. Now, this is where we lose a lot of people because we're like, blood, are we doing animal sacrifices around here? What's going on? And it's nothing like that. When we talk about the blood of the lamb, what we're referring to is the cross, the sacrifice that Jesus Christ made on the cross, dying for your sins and mine over 2,000 years ago. When he did that, please understand this, he defeated the devil. That was the moment right there where the enemy lost whatever power he had on this earth. And when you pray the blood of Jesus, remember I told you that warfare is the battle between the lie and the what? And the truth. Well, when you begin to pray the blood of Jesus, what you're really doing is reminding the enemy that he lost. Sorry, devil, you lost. So what you're trying to do right now, you can't do. You lost the freedom to do whatever you wanted to do in my life when Jesus Christ died on the cross. You lost the freedom to act wild. You lost the freedom to, you lost that freedom. You can't do that anymore. My neighbor um, a couple years ago had just gotten this dog and they put up an invisible fence for the dog. I don't know if you've ever seen these invisible fences. That's a joke. You can't. They're invisible. Um, but uh, it's, it's a little wire that they dig underneath the ground and they put it around the front yard and then but the the fence doesn't work unless you add another thing which is <clears throat> these flags and they had these flags in the ground I can't remember if they were red or if they were yellow but for the sake of the illustration and the blood we'll say that they were red and they had these red flags all over um, the yard and I remember when the guy installed it and then they opened the door and this dog he's a big dog he saw that front door open now don't judge me it wasn't my dog, okay? I know some of you are like, oh, so cruel. It wasn't me. And so, but I might do the same thing if I had the money. <laughs> I don't know, because my dogs be booking it. And so it, he ran out, and the moment he passed that little red flag, uh-huh. I don't know what happened. <laughs> I don't know what he felt. <laughs> I don't know how, but all I know is he was like, oh. <laughs> and he came right back with the quickness. And he started, he started looking at that. That little red, that real red flag. He's like, man. And then they even put it around the bushes and the flowers as he was getting in the flowers. And, and he started realizing right here. But you lost the freedom to go do whatever you wanted to do. What you have to understand is that what the blood of Christ does is it draws a line. It draws a boundary and it says, because Jesus defeated you on the cross, his victory is your loss. Now you can no longer pass this line. And so what you begin to do is you begin to pray the blood over your mind. I know I hear you putting thoughts. I hear you putting voices, but what you got to remember, let me just remind you enemy that the blood of Jesus covers my mind. You're not allowed in this space. You can't cross and the cross means you lost. You can't cross into this space. You got to pray for your kids at night before they go to school. And I pray the blood of Jesus right now over all my children. Enemy, you can't cross this line. You can't cross this line. Pray for your spouse. Lord, I pray right now the blood of Jesus over my marriage, the blood of Jesus over my business, the blood of Jesus over my finances. This is a line you cannot cross. They don't belong to you. They belong to Jesus. Now, there is one way the enemy can get that power back. I'm going to talk about two ways, but there is one way, is if he can get you to believe that you've crossed over back from light into darkness. Here's how he does that with shame and guilt. When you sin, not if, we make mistakes. When you sin, hear me, the enemy is going to pounce on that sin. It's going to pounce on that poor choice. It's going to pounce on that one night you wish you could take back, even if you're a Christian. And he's going to say, you see, you're not really saved. 
You see, you're not really on God's side. You belong on my, you are on my side. And whatever protection you thought you had, you don't have because you belong to me. He's the accuser. That's what he does. Here's what the blood does, though. Colossians 2, 14 to 15. God made you alive with Christ, for he forgave all your sins. Look at this. And he canceled the record of charges against us and took it away by nailing it to the cross. I like this next verse. Get ready to clap for this one. And in this way, he disarmed the spiritual rulers and authorities. He took away their guns. He took away their bullets. He took away their bow and arrows. He took away their weapons. And then shamed them publicly by his victory over them on the cross. Raise your hand if you've ever heard this sentence before. If you've ever grew up in church, you've probably heard this. I plead the blood. Have you ever heard plead the blood? Yeah, if you didn't go up to church, you never heard it. I, I grew up hearing this phrase, I plead the blood. I'll be honest, I was 36 years old when I understood what the word plead meant. I would say it all the time. I have no idea. But that's what we do in church. We say words all the time. We have no idea what they mean. Hallelujah. I don't know. Sounds I like it. <laughs> Rolls off the tongue. Amen. I don't know. I plead the blood. Plead the blood. What does it mean to plead something? And the other day I was watching a, a, a crime show, a, like a, a law show with my wife, and the judge was looking at the defendant, and the judge said, how do you plead? And it hit me for the first time. How do you plead? And she said, guilty or not guilty? And then I thought, wow, like, I can see, like, I saw heaven, and I'm like, this is the enemy, our accuser. Looking to God the Father and going, hey, he belongs to me. Because he did this, he did this, he did this. And I could see Father God looking at you and looking at me going, how do you plead? And I thought in that moment, I wish I could plead not guilty. But if I plead not guilty, I'm lying. Because I did what he said I did. So I guess I, I could plead guilty. But if I plead guilty, then I'm his. Guilty or not guilty? The blood. I plead the blood. I did it, but so did he. I did it, but he paid for it. I did it, but he ransomed me. I did it, but now it's gone. I did it, but he died and resurrected, and now I'm free. I did it. But so did Jesus. I plead the blood. I plead the blood. I don't belong to you, devil. I'm not who you say I am. I'm a new creation in Christ Jesus. I don't belong to you anymore. I belong to the Father. I'm his and only his. I plead the blood. Back up, devil. I plead the blood. Would you stay standing all over this room? I got one more. I got one more. I got one more. I'm going to try to hit it in three minutes if I can. Here's the last thing you got to do. You got to pray God's word. Pray God's word. Remember Ephesians 6, 17. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the what? Which is the word of God. John 8, 31, 32. If you hold to my teachings, you are really my disciples and you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. Something about knowing the word of God. When Jesus went face to face with the devil in the wilderness, the way he defeated the devil was by quoting the word, quoting the word, quoting the word. And a lot of people think that when I say pray the word of God that I'm telling you to like memorize Bible verses and say them out loud to the devil. That's not what I mean. 
what's powerful are not what the words are. What pow what's powerful is what the words mean and what the words represent. That's why we can have so many versions of the Bible and they all be anointed because it's what the words mean. Unless someone comes up with a version of the Bible that makes the Bible mean something that it's not supposed to mean, as long as it means the same thing, it's going to be anointed. So what you have to understand is how the world works through the Word of God. And then you can use it against the enemy. Can I give you one last sermon illustration? You're going to like this one. I'm going to show you something that is responsible for breaking up more friendships than boyfriends and girlfriends. This game right here is responsible for ending more friendships. And the reason why is because people just be making up their own rules. And you're like, hey! I was playing some church people the other day. Church people. Person was about to come for me, he said, draw six. I said, draw six. I don't remember that card being in the game. And they said, no. Draw two. Draw two. Draw two. Draw six. I said, listen here. That's not how this game works. They said, yes, it is. That's how my dad told me. I said, uh-uh. You know what I did? I got the rule book out. I don't play no games. I got the rule book out. I was like, right here. Nuh-uh. That's not how that works. If you don't know how the game works, then they'll cheat. Don't let the devil cheat. When he does things that he can't do, you best pull out the rule book and be like, whoa, 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 whoa. You can't do that. That's great. That's cheating. You can't. That's not what the rules say. Can I help you? Can we have some fun? All right, when the devil tries to attack you. When the devil tries to attack you, like, eh, draw two. Car broke down. And your marriage is falling apart. Draw two. Remember what James 1, 2 says. Consider it pure joy, my brothers. Whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. So let the perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking. In other words, you brought it to destroy me, but the thing you brought to destroy me actually gonna build me to destroy you. Reverse. Did you know that's in the rules? If someone drops a draw two and you have a reverse of the same color, you draw two, sucker. You came from my family, now my family's gonna rise up and be ministers. Now my family's gonna rise up and be strong. Now my family's gonna come for you. Listen, now listen, let me go to the next one. Now this is how you can fight before the fight even begins. Close any open doors in your life. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 26 to 27. In your anger, do not sin, let the sun go down. Do not let the sun go down while you're so angry and do not give the devil a foothold. Did you know that the enemy can't pass that line unless you open a door and let him in? Yep. Yep. So sometimes we need to not even give the devil an opportunity. Sometimes we need to take away his chance. We got to close doors in our lives that we've opened. And, and here's what I'm talking about. Now, anger can be one of those, unforgiveness can be one of those things. If there's someone in your life that you need to forgive, you need to tell the Lord, Lord, I forgive that person. Whatever they did to me, I close that. Don't let the enemy come in through that door. Can I say something else? And this is going to offend some people. Do I have your permission? 
Promise not to leave the church? And someone said, no. I, I'm, not, I'm not that old school, like Pentecostal, got, but we gotta be careful of some of the music we listen to. Don't even skip that mess. Because if this music has the power to pull down the Holy Spirit, then the question you gotta ask is what kind of spirits is your music pulling down? You gotta ask. Don't even give him an opportunity. Nah, player, skip. I'm not even giving you a chance. I know it's October, and I know it's all over your TV, but you gotta be careful what kind of movies you watch. You gotta be careful. I'm just saying, let me help you. Don't let the devil foothold. Someone came up to me the other day and was like, you gonna watch The Exorcist? I said, no. <laughs> no, no, thank you. Skip. They said, why not? Are you afraid of the devil? I said, heck no, I ain't afraid of the devil. I ain't afraid of the devil because I got the blood. I ain't afraid of the devil because I got the line. I'm afraid of opening doors that let him pass that line. So I'm going to close them doors. I'm not even going to give him a chance. Skip. Here's my last one. Here's my last one. Here's my last one. This last one is your go-to weapon. This, this one has helped me fight more fights. You know, you're a street fighter. This is my Hadouken, you know what I'm saying? This is, this is my go-to move when I need to end the match and I need to get on the next one. And it works every time. It don't matter what you're going through. This is your go-to spam cheating move right here. Philippians 4, 6 through 7. Do not be anxious about anything. Anything. Whatever problem you're going through. But in everything, everything, no matter what your issue is, by prayer and supplication, here it comes, with thanksgiving. That's called praise. Let your requests be made known to God and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. You ready? Praise is your wild card. Praise is your wild card. I don't know what the devil's gonna throw at you, but whatever he throws at you, if you can find a way to lift your hands, if you can find a way to say hallelujah, if you can find a way to thank him in the middle of your trial, the devil don't know what to do with that. When he sends demons your way and arrows your way and attacks your way and your response is hallelujah, praise the Lord, I lift him up, my God still lives, he's resurrected, the tomb is empty, the devil's gotta run, cause praise covers it all, praise pulls in a power that you didn't know you had. You can come at my family, I'ma praise them. You can come at my children, I'ma praise them. You can come for my finances, I'ma praise them. You can come for my church, I'ma praise them. Come for my nation, I'ma praise them. On the mountain, in the valley, on the plains, wherever I am, I'ma lift up the name of, let me see you fight the devil right now. Would you give God 10 seconds of praise? Put the devil on his heels, run, praise. Give him thanks for the victory in your life. Make him run back to hell where he came from. Come on, East Campus. Let me see you throw some haymakers. Praise the Lord right now. 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 We worship you, Jesus. Ain't nobody like you, Jesus. We love you, Lord. You're amazing. You're awesome. You're the best. You're good when things are not good. You're faithful when I'm faithless. You're strong when I'm weak. You're amazing when I'm average. 
bitch. I worship you, Jesus. Nobody like you. Take it all, Lord. Take it all. Woo! You better learn that one. That's good in any situation. I bent my card. So excited. I'm just telling you, praise has changed my life. When I lost my child, I was in the hospital room. I praised. I praised. And it was, the devil didn't know what to do with that. I got no, I got no answer. I threw everything I had. And he praised. Better pack up my toys and go home then. That's all I had. Lies and deception. Amen. Amen. You feel like you learned something today? You gonna throw some, gonna throw some hands when you get home? Amen. I want to pray for you. I also want to pray for those who are far from God. Listen, if if you don't have a relationship with Jesus, maybe you're a Christian, but you've been straying away from Jesus. There's one last thing that you need to do to make sure you win this battle. James 4, 7. Submit yourselves to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Everybody's trying to resist the devil, but what comes first? Okay, you got to come under his covering. So if you don't have a relationship with Jesus today and you feel like you've been getting picked on, every head but every eye closed, you're in this room. When I count to three, I'm going to ask you to raise your right hand so you can come under the umbrella. You can come under the covering. You can come under the shelter, the strong tower of God today. God wants to protect you. God wants to keep you safe. Come. It's an open. If you're a Christian, you've been making some decisions lately. Come. Come back to the umbrella. I'm sorry it's raining, but we got an umbrella, y'all. No need to stand in the rain. His name is Jesus. Submit to God. Come under his covering and let him protect you. That's you on the count of three all over this building. One, two, three. Would you raise your right hand? Right high. High up. High up there. Come on. I see all your hands. Thank you so much. Over at East, I know those hands are being raised. Whether you raise your hand or not, I want the entire church to pray this out. Father God, come on, say this out loud with me. Father God, it's raining, but I'm coming under your covering. I submit to you, Jesus. 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 When there's power in that name, say, Jesus, take my past. Forgive me for my choices. Protect me from my future. Today, I make you my Lord. I submit and my Savior. In Jesus' name I pray. My life starts today. Amen and amen. Come on, give the Lord a hand clap of praise. We hope you've enjoyed this message, and we would love to hear your story and how this ministry is changing your life. Please email us at amen at journeyorl.com. And if you would like to support financially, you can give online at journeyorl.com give. If you're in the area, join us on Sunday for the full experience. Have a blessed week.